We know for some of you, this episode is going to be a tough one. We're going to speak the truth and love because we're committed to our own integrity. But at the same time, we want to give you hope because there is hope and recovery of your marriage is possible. So just listen closely all the way through. And as always, feel free to reach out to us through our website, onlyyouforever.com, if we can be of any help. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 111. And we are going to be handling this very tough subject about whether your marriage is beyond recovery or not. And I just want to say that if this is a question that's burning a hole in your mind day in and day out, that's a tough spot to be in. And in our podcast, we don't sugarcoat the truth and we're not going to today, but I believe you'll find some hope in what we have to say. So the other thing I'm hoping too, Verlinda, that we can accomplish with today's episode is if you're not taking your marriage challenges seriously, that you will. Yeah. And you'll understand how serious things are and start taking action to repair and rebuild again. So we're glad you're listening today. And if you want an objective evaluation of your marriage, we do have a marriage assessment tool that we'd like to email you a link to. It's a short series of questions on a form you can complete and then score. And I challenge you to get a copy of that today. Even if you feel your marriage is doing great, it might highlight some blind spots you maybe weren't aware of so you can work on them. And you can get this by opening your browser to oyf.link slash 111 or by texting the word podcast to 9292 spells. Message and data rates may apply. But once again, all you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292 spouse, or you can find this bonus on our website at oif.link slash 111. Just look for the gray box with the orange button. Yep. And make sure you shoot us a text then or go to the blog post for this episode to pick up a copy of the assessment. And remember, it's only a measurement tool. It's what you do with the information that matters. Mm, so this will just highlight areas that they need to work on kind of thing or blind spots. Yeah. Huh. I think of it that way. It's good. Okay. So last week you talked about why you're not getting enough sex and what to do about it. And if you're in a sexless marriage or not satisfied with the physical intimacy in your marriage, be sure to go back and grab that episode. And I got thinking for Linda, like if your spouse says to you, Hey, do you want to have sex tonight? What if you said, no, but I'll have sexual intimacy with you. That might start an interesting conversation or they'll be like, you're listening to that podcasting. <laughs> I was going to say, Caleb, what if I said that to you? Well, here's the thing, right? All I'm saying is one is like, are we just doing it? One's this a physical the, act. Yeah. Are we doing this kind of at the level that animals do it at? Okay. It's like a biological interaction or are we really connecting? Okay. And it's calling your spouse to, uh, or challenging your spouse to that deeper connection, right? Okay. Anyways, make sure you hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any future shows with really weird questions that you can ask your spouse. <laughs> All right. Okay. We're going to jump into the research. Look at the indicators are, look at what the indicators are, Verlinda, that show that a marriage is moving beyond recovery. So before we get there, I want to talk about my own bias, my own beliefs here, and okay. or yours too, I guess, I think are the same. We don't believe any marriage is ever beyond recovery. Mm -hmm. And we do believe that in some cases, like an abusive marriage, it's not safe to recover the marriage until the abuse issue is addressed thoroughly. And I don't have any judgment for folks that have decided to move on from that kind of marriage. I'm not God. It's not my job to judge that. But if you're out there today and you just want someone to tell you there's hope, then listen, there is hope. Mm -hmm. There is hope. Mm -hmm. 
And we're going to talk about a number of things that challenge that hope, but we'll end up with some things that can give you hope. So just stick with us through this and uh, follow as we go along. Did you want to add anything to that? No, I think that's good. Okay, let's look at some indicators that a marriage is moving beyond recovery. Now, here's the warning signs that we can see from research, okay? First one I want to identify is a lot of spousal hostility. So when you have hostility without any warmth, that's a major warning sign that your marriage longevity is really threatened. Okay. So we're looking now at a study of over 400 couples that were married an average of 18 years. And the study went on for five years and it looked into the hostility of these marriages. It looked at the divorces that happened and the quality of interaction between the spouses, like how they got along when they're talking to each other. Mm -hmm. And hostility became a theme in the marriages that ended. So let's just look at that hostility. What they were looking for in terms of hostility was how often a spouse had gotten angry, had been critical, had shouted or yelled, had ignored their other spouse, threatened to do something that would upset their spouse, tried to make their spouse feel guilty, or said that the spouse had made him or her unhappy. So those are hostile actions. Okay. And on the other hand, warmth looked like times when their spouse had asked for their opinion, listened to their point of view, let them know that they care, acted in a loving or affectionate manner, let them know that they're appreciated, helped them to do something important, had a good laugh, or acted supportive or understanding. Okay. So what they found is that in every instance, greater marital instability was associated with more hostility and less warmth in these marital interactions. That's a quote from these researchers. And this was so obvious, this warmth versus hostility thing, that the researchers were able to predict with 80% level of accuracy which couples would divorce the following year. Wow. All they had to look for was high levels of hostility and low levels of warmth. Wow. So I'm going to quote their summary here. Couples observed to exhibit high levels of hostile, angry, critical, stubborn, inconsiderate, defiant, or rejecting behavior that is not counterbalanced by considerate, cooperative, or affectionate behavior were more likely to perceive high levels of hostility in their marital interactions and were more likely to have unstable marriages and were more likely to actually separate or divorce. There is just one key thing I want to highlight in there, Valinda. Okay. It gave that list of things, hostile, angry, critical, yeah. stubborn. And, but it said that is not counterbalanced by. And yeah. that's good to know because we all... We all fall into that category sometimes. Yeah, we all get our ugly on every once in a while. Yeah. But when this is an overwhelming characteristic and the counterbalance is not present, okay. that's when they're saying we have a problem. So it's okay, you know, if some hostility comes out. Yeah. As long as it's balanced. And hostility here, we're not meaning abuse. No, no. All no. we're saying is just because you guys had a fight yesterday. Or you yelled or... Doesn't mean you're yeah. getting divorced next year. What you're looking at here is a trend over time. Okay. And what the predominant characteristics of your interactions are like. Okay. So maybe we need to pick up the warmth or... Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay. Okay. The second thing was they talked about significant ambivalence, which is mixed feelings about your spouse and lack of responsiveness. So this is from a different study. So the previous study, the couples have been married an average of 18 years. In this study, it was more the newlywed spectrum. And these are all first marriages. I think these were married about five years on average or something like that. Oh, no, hang on a sec. This is what they found. Couples who divorced after two years of marriage had lower levels of love, more ambivalence, and less responsiveness to each other, fewer affectionate acts in their marriage, and more frequent negative behaviors. Hmm. So you can kind of see there... It's really kind of a parallel there to what we just said. There's more sort of the hostile end yeah. and there's less of the positive inputs, but there's also this idea of ambivalence. Yeah. That's kind of scary. Like you think, okay, if I didn't react badly, 
or hostilely with hostility with hostility that I'm doing okay. But this is saying no, no response is not good yes. either. Yeah. So they're, they're, we need to be responsive. Yeah. But I mean, this is marriage. We're talking about humans, right? So there's all these different dynamics that come to play, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the last one I want to highlight that is a cause for concern is where there's a total lack of fondness and admiration where that's completely gone. Now, mm-hmm. what I'll often see when I'm when distressed couples first come to see me is that there's a lot of anger and frustration with each other. Yeah. But if you can kind of get them calmed down for a few minutes, this is still back in there. Oh, so they might think, oh, there's no fondness left. You might feel that right now, but if you kind of get past what your spouse did to you yesterday and pause, okay, it's still often there. So let me just illustrate this, okay? And so this is part of the approach I use to marriage counseling. And this particular issue of fondness and admiration is identified by Dr. John Gottman. And he calls it the fondness and admiration system. And he says right in his marriage therapist training manual that if the fondness and admiration system is still functioning the marriage is salvageable. But if it's dead, you need to start talking to them about how they're going to have a you know a reasonably efficient divorce process. He's very blunt about it. Okay. So again, you got to take this with a grain of salt, as I said, because when you're mad at each other and you have been, maybe even for a while, you're not going to feel real close to this fondness and admiration piece, but it still might be there. And how I've seen this is when couples come in for counseling, I like to ask them this question, like they're very upset with each other, they're quite distressed. I hear their stories. And then towards the end of the first section, or the, sometimes the second one, I'll ask them, so what is the glue that keeps you guys together? And they typically kind of start crying right then. And they're like, well, I love him or something like that comes out. Or, I love mm-hmm, her. Mm-hmm. And that's there, right? So they're, they're having a really hard time trying to figure out how to do life together. But this fondness and admiration system is still back in there. Okay. And the couples can pull on that and they can recover their marriage. So I see Dr. Gottman's point, but you just have to be cautious because sometimes this thing is a few layers back. Right. And I don't think we need to take this as a rule of life because a statement like his that's so objective, it fails to take into account the power of the Spirit of God to redeem, to create healing, to reconcile, and to rebuild even a very, very broken marriage. Mm-hmm. And so all I hope his comment does is to incite us to be very intentional about making sure we keep this fondness and admiration piece in place in our marriage. That's good. Okay? Yeah. So those are the negative indicators. Now, maybe you're a little freaked out at this stage and you have that horrible sinking feeling in your gut because you're recognizing that some of these are very real in your marriage. Well, just hang tight because there is a wide range of research that shows that recovery is possible even for marriages on the brink of divorce. And again, the other part I keep coming back to is that God is a God of reconciliation. That's his specialty. So I want to give you hope now and tell you that recovery is still possible. Mm -hmm. And there's four things I want you to hold on to. Now, the first one is the importance of commitment. Stay committed. So another study from 2009, Verlinda looks at some really interesting stats from a national survey from the National Fatherhood Initiative on reasons for divorce. And by far the most common reason given for divorce was lack of commitment. 73% said that this was a major reason. Hmm. And You know, people cited other things like too much arguing, infidelity, marrying too young, unrealistic expectations, lack of equality, lack of preparation and abuse. So there's all these other things going on. But this number one reason was lack of commitment. Okay. Now, what I took from that is if you make commitment a priority, you can undermine the number one risk. Oh, yeah. And it drops it by 73% right there. Well, I guess it doesn't quite work. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if the math quite works like that, but that sounds impressive. 
because commitment is a powerful force in a marriage, right? Yeah. It's just, you know what? I'm staying, I'm sticking here. And often folks, they start fighting because they're pulling apart. What? Because they're pulling apart or they want to stay together? Or what do you mean by that? Well, it's hard to explain. Yeah, it is, obviously. <laughs> Why is it obvious? Because it doesn't make sense. Oh, now you got me thinking. They're fighting apart. Now, they're fighting because they're coming apart. They're pulling apart. Yeah. So what does that got to do with commitment? It's almost like a self-fulfilling behavior, like where it's predictive of what's happening. So they fight to reinforce it at a subconscious level oh. to prove that it's the other person's fault and it's not because there's some intrinsic flaw in me that I can't keep us together. That's one reason. Oh. Uh, this stuff is get, it gets a little complicated. Okay. But let's just come back on topic here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> might be simple. <laughs> to say that commitment is a powerful force again. So mm-hmm. you might need, if your marriage is greatly distressed, you might need to give a voice to this just to say to your spouse, look, I know this sucks and it, we're not doing well, but I am committed and we'll figure this out. We'll get through this. Right. And of course, it'd be good to pair that with some action, which we're going to talk about later. Yeah. But yeah. anyways, we have, yeah. we have a whole episode devoted to commitment, episode 82. You can listen to that or read up on that by going to oif.link slash 82. And I won't go over all the commitment stuff here, but in that episode, we give you five ways to increase commitment in your marriage. It's very actionable. And uh, you can get that at oif.link slash 82 in your browser, or you can pull it up, look for episode 82 on your podcast player. So that's one is, is commitment. Now, number two is that there is, I want you to hold on for the possibility of reconciliation. Okay. So just looking only at statistics, another study looked at couples who are seriously considering divorce. And they found that in, I don't know why it was in Utah, but 10 to 15% of couples who filed for divorce decided not to go through with it at that time. Okay. So you want to try to get yourself into that little tiny slice of the pie, that 10%. And in Minnesota, they also found some research that showed that about 10% of couples there were interested in a reconciliation service, even at the last stages of the divorce process. Another study estimated about one third of couples who attempt to reconcile were still married a year later. Mm Mm-hmm. And researchers also estimated that about one in three couples who actually divorce later try to reconcile, but only about one third of those who try actually succeed. So what's that, a ninth? Okay. But that's still saying like the hope for your marriage is still there even after you divorce or for a third of the people. It's slim, but it's there. So it's easier, as hard as it is, to reconcile before divorce. Divorce. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the earlier you can, the better. Yeah. Couples on yeah. average, before they come and seek marriage counseling, they've been like severely distressed for seven years in their marriage. Wow. And that's hard that's, to fix. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of rewinding to do there. Yeah. Okay. But the point is, again, if I believe, Verlinda, that if both spouses want to reconcile, if they're willing to do the hard work that reconciliation is going to demand of each of them, they can recover their marriage. Hmm. So hold on to that hope. And And one of the things that I've seen here is it's, just a matter of timing sometimes where you both want to reconcile at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the problem that I've seen is that sometimes one spouse wants it, but the other one's not there yet. And when they finally get there, the first one's burnt out. Okay. And, and it's too late. Yeah. The timing is off. Yeah. So I think what this is saying is if your spouse comes to you, you know, with the thought that they want to get help, something's wrong, don't just ignore it and put it off and think everything's okay. Yeah. Because maybe when you get to that point that you realize that, and you're ready, your spouse might be saying, "No, I'm done. I was ready for this three years ago, yeah, or whatever, yeah." So take it seriously, yeah. 
Absolutely. Okay, third thing, hold on to the hope that marriage can get better. And what they found is that many couples in unhappy marriages who hang on do not remain miserable forever. Mm-hmm. We talked about this in another podcast. Yeah, and we get that it does feel like sheer misery, right? What? Marriage? Being in a distress, yes. <laughs> Generally speaking, we're here to tell the world that marriage sucks. Well, that's what you made it sound like. <laughs> Sorry. No, distressed marriage is misery. Right. Yeah. Yeah. My side of the marriage is misery. <laughs> Okay. Only because you take me seriously. Yes. So another couple of researchers here, they state the following based on a national study completed by the Institute for American Values. And I'm going to quote here. Only about 10% of individuals say at any particular time that they are unhappy in their marriages. And only about 2% say that they are very unhappy. As this study followed these couples over the next five years, they found that about 15% of these unhappy individuals did divorce, but 85% hung on. And the better news is that those who hung on weren't miserable. About two out of three unhappily married adults who avoided divorce ended up happily married to the same spouse five years later. Mm-hmm. And the unhappiest individuals improved the most. More than three quarters of the unhappiest individuals who avoided divorce said they were now happy. Wow. Um, when we mentioned this on a podcast, whatever podcast it was, I don't even remember now. But we had someone reach out and say, this has just given me such hope Hmm. that it will get happier. Like 85% of these get happier. Yeah. Yes. I saved the best news for closer to the end here. Oh, good. Yeah. So it's getting better? Well, that was it. But there's a little bit more here too. (laughs) Oh, that was it. That that was good. (laughs) Thanks. What was I going to say about that? I don't know. I think it got lost in the depths of my miserable marriage. (laughs) Anyways. Let's keep going. Got lost in the phone ringing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sitting here waving my arms. And opening and closing your mouth. Yeah. Okay. So hold on to hope. Yes. Be committed and be open to reconciliation. Yeah. That's the point there because there are folks that pull through. Oh, that's. I think that's what I was going to say is that sometimes you need to kind of hit the crisis to realize what you're missing out on in your marriage and then to go pursue it. So that's a way to look at your marriage distress that you're in right now. Mm. That this is a moment to awaken you to mm-hmm. what you really want. Mm-hmm. And and go for it. Go get it. Ooh, from your spouse. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Fourth from your point. Spouse. Not only holding on to hope that marriage can get better, but other couples have moved forward as well. So this was another study. It was a smaller study. It looked at 25 couples in what's called a qualitative approach. So this is really them describing their experience. And all of these couples in this study had considered divorce at some time in their marriage. And they were asked to think about their thought process in deciding not to divorce and asked how they did what they did to move forward. So what did you do to not divorce? Okay. Even though you were thinking about it. And here's what they did. There were four things. Some couples worked on their communication skills and that allowed them, that gave them the tools to resolve the conflict that they're having. Okay. Other couples found that they were able to turn towards each other and rely on one another instead of turning inside or inward oh. or to other sources of help. Like, And I'm assuming the other sources are like... My girlfriends, kind of. Yeah, or even to someone of the opposite gender. You know oh, what I mean? Like an emotional yes, affair or things like that. Yes. So instead of just kind of bottling or staying inside, they found ways to open up and turn towards each other. Many couples stated that seeking professional help was the turning point that helped them to move forward. Mm-hmm. And other couples stated that their religious beliefs helped them to find common ground for moving forward. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that probably ties back to the commitment thing. Like, you know what? We both committed to this before God. We got to get this sorted. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that, okay. babe? Uh, well, I was just thinking, and now I don't remember what I was thinking. But I did have thoughts on it. They were good thoughts, I think. <laughs> I'm sure they were. <laughs> I'm sure they were. Okay. We're going to go have some more coffee. But let's wrap <laughs> this up. If you're wondering if your marriage is beyond recovery, we hope that this gives you hope. So that's our... That's our goal for this episode. Mm-hmm. And remember, if you want to do that marriage assessment, uh, you can get that tool. We can email you the link. You can get this by opening your browser to oyf.link slash 111. Look for the gray box with the orange button, or you can text the word podcast to 9292 spouse on your cell phone, and we'll get you connected that way. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that like, we've kind of given these theories here, given research, take hope, but sometimes you can be in such a distressed place that you don't even know where to start. Mm. Like, where do they start? Like, start by, okay, I am committed to this. Yeah. And we're going to work through this. How do we do that? Like, sometimes I think that it's easier. And this is a bit of a plug for you, I guess. But it's easier to talk to someone. Like, they can just point out things. Like to a therapist. Yeah. 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 Well, that's it. If you're, if you're, that's where therapy helps is if you're stuck and you can't get it sorted, you can have someone on the outside say, okay, here's the pattern that's going on. Yeah. And here's how we're going to start shifting that. Yeah. And I mean, you still need to do the work and do it. It's not like you can go and have someone no. wave a magic wand and do you're that. good to go. You still got to work through it. But you'll come out with something stronger than you ever had before. Yeah. Yeah. Just gives you that starting point. All right. If you'd like to get involved in this awesome mission to help save marriages through our podcast, we'd like to ask you to contribute to our crowdfunding campaign. We want to reach 5,000 marriages a week through this podcast. And I think last time I checked, we're about halfway there. Awesome. Yep. We can't do that without your help. And for even $5 a month, you can help us move towards making that a reality. And if you're able to join us in this, please go to oif.link slash give to learn more about how you can help us reach more marriages. Once again, that website is oif dot link slash give and we had someone just join their add a pledge which mm-hmm. we very much appreciate christine edwards thank you so much we appreciate your support and what you're doing to help us as well absolutely we also had an itunes review we did from canada sulfury something like that i thought it was like selfie but there's an r in there says awesome five stars you guys are so real and down to earth i love listening to the great array of topics you come up with and anticipate the next podcast every week keep them coming thanks yeah that's awesome yeah we appreciate your review next week we're going to talk about a similar situation but different verlinda what to do if you're in a roommate marriage it's not bad or hostile just not intimate maybe sexless kind of like you're just roommates so this is going to be different from last week's which was how to get more sex it is It's an interesting counter. Not a counterpoint, but a complimentary episode. Cool. So that's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 111. Why don't you do the ending? Because it's unique. Is it? I think so. If our show today has given you hope for your marriage, we'd love to hear how it has helped. The best way to do that is by leaving a rating and review on iTunes, because that helps our show to become more visible to other struggling marriages. Hmm. That's an interesting point. It's another way you can help us reach more marriages. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. 
Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at onlyyouforever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.